Thanks for tuning in. I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, my kids have been super fun and rambunctious. Uh, my son was rolling on a scooter uh, across the hall and jammed my foot. And that's when I knew that he was going to be an athlete. And I was filled with joy, a little bit of pain, lots of joy. Hope you're doing well. So we've been in this series called What to Do on the Worst Day of Your Life, and we're in the middle of a story of David where he's lost everything. The men who have followed him come back to their home that's been raised to the ground. Their families have been um, kidnapped, and David is, is, is setting off to go recover what, what has been taken from him. And God has said, go claim recovery on what has been lost. I'm with you. So David has taken off to recover what's been taken. And in this story, we're going to we're going to read scripture, a good chunk of scripture, and we're going to look at kind of different chapters in the story. And the first chapter is what I call the pursuit. This is the pursuit of the recovery. Verse 9 of 1 Samuel uh, chapter 30. So David and his 600 men set out, and they came to the brook of Bazor. But 200 of the men were too exhausted to cross the brook. And so David continued the pursuit with 400 men. So there were some men that were too tired, too exhausted, too um, emotionally depleted. They might not have believed in the mission anymore. Someone might have just completely disagreed with them. But David didn't let that lack of belief, he didn't let the lack of trust keep him from pursuing what God had asked him to do and told him to do. So... <clears throat> David kept pursuing despite the odds, despite having less people to help him, and clung to the Lord's promise. And that's why he kept pursuing. Sometimes the only reason we'll keep pursuing something is because we're holding on to the promise of God. Verse 11, along the way, they found an Egyptian man in a field and brought him to David. They gave him some bread to eat and water to drink. And they also gave him part of a fig cake and two clusters of raisins, which was a hot commodity back then. I love those fig cakes. Um, for he hadn't had anything to eat or drink for three days and nights. Before long, his strength returned. And uh, to whom do you belong and where do you come from? David asked him. I'm an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite. And if you remember, the Amalekites were the ones who kidnapped David's family. He, he replied this to David, and my master abandoned me three days ago because I was sick. You wonder if he really was sick. If he Was he faking it? Are all some of the other like servants and slaves now mad because like, oh, that guy faked and he gets out. Now we can't pull that card. Who knows? But this guy escaped his uh, slavers by pretending he was sick. We were on our way back from raiding the uh, Carathites in the Negev, the territory of Judah and the land of Caleb. And we had just burned Ziklag. That's David's hometown. Will you lead me to this band of raiders? David asked. The young man replied, if you take an oath in God's name that you will not kill me or give me back to my master, then I will guide you to them. So they make a deal. And so he led David to them and they found the Amalekites spread out across the fields eating and drinking and dancing with joy because of the vast amount of plunder they had taken from the Philistines and the land of Judah. They're, they're overjoyed and celebrating what they've stolen from David and from other people. One of the most important things I think we can learn here is in the pursuit of the promise of God, um, David and in this story, they're not afraid to name the enemy. The enemy are the Amalekites. The thing that is stolen from David is, is named. Sometimes people 
get afraid to name the, the enemy. We get afraid to name it. Um, and when we won't name the enemy, when we won't name the thing that has stolen life and hope and, and, uh, and dreams from us, we can sometimes give it more power than it deserves. Um, sometimes we can look at things like, uh, like cancer and we're afraid to name it. People are, they, they're in a sense of denial and they're afraid to just say, cancer has taken my health or betrayal has stolen my trust, or bankruptcy has taken my peace, death has taken my dream, or pain, or pain and depression have stolen my joy. For some of us today, COVID-19 is a real enemy that is stealing the life and vitality from our culture, from our cities, and from our communities. And in this story, we see that we need to name the enemy. We need to make it really clear what the enemy is. Chapter 2, the battle. Verse 17, David and his men rushed in among them and slaughtered them. These are the Amalekites. Throughout the night and the entire next day until evening. And what a battle. None of the Amalekites escaped except 400 young men who fled on camels. All these young guys jump on the camels and leave the old guys to fight. You just imagine like all that pent up anger and rage and indignity and fear just being unleashed on the Malachites with David's men. They didn't know what hit them. Now, we have to name the true enemy to have a true, ba- a true battle. And for people who follow Jesus, the enemy has been really clearly named. We don't fight Amalekites. We don't fight with the the weapons of war that our world uses, not when we follow Christ. The cross represented a time that really that really d- demonstrates the love and justice of God. Let me give you an example. Ephesians 6, 12 names our enemy as Christians. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. So we're not fighting against people. And one of the, Satan's favorite ploys is getting humans to fight humans. Humans are really victims in a cosmic battle going on. And, and Satan wins every time if he gets humans to fight humans. That's not the battle. That's not the true enemy. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We are, our enemy, our true enemy, is spiritual darkness. And there really is such a thing as spiritual darkness. Um, 1 Peter 5.8 clarifies this. So it says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Satan, devil of old, spiritual darkness are looking to devour uh, humans. They're trying to bring destruction. Whether that destruction comes through the fear of a virus or the virus itself or war, or financial ruin, whatever they can use as tools to destroy humanity, pitting them against each other um, or against other things, they they want to do that to win. And we need to be aware of that. And so the, the writers of Scripture really emphasize being aware of the spiritual battle we're in, naming that enemy, not each other as enemies. So how do we fight that? Verse 13 of Ephesians 6, Therefore, Put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. I don't know what you'd call right now, but I feel like right now is a great time of challenge. And there's even great evil out there that is that is magnified by the fear and the phobias um, and the panic that can set in. 
And so we need to, more than ever, be willing to resist the enemy in this time of evil. Paul goes on to say, then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. And that's our goal, to stand firm in our faith, to be able to stand before the Lord, whether it comes sooner or later um, in our lifetime, uh, to stand before the Lord firm, saying, I stood for you. And here are the weapons that we use, truth instead of lies. We bring truth to the situation. Right now, as we're sitting in our living rooms and our homes, as we're facing this rea new reality that we're in, uh, we, we need to be truth bringers. We also use the, the weapons of peace in the area of, of just the faithful love of God. We're always pointing to the faithful love of God. We're always drawing our, our, our dreams and our hope and our love from the faithful love of God. We also use just peace. We are peacemakers. So we're trying to make peace in our homes. I don't know about you. There might be struggles of peace in the home. Many of us haven't been this close together in our families uh, for this long, maybe ever, uh, or maybe since we were kids. And, and peace is really needed between husband and wife or mo uh, moms and dads and their kids. That's, we're peacemakers and peace bringers. Um, faith, being able to see um, our current reality with eyes of faith rather than fear, that's a weapon of, of peace. God's salvation or God's power to save, like we believe that God is really saving people, that God is really active in the world. That's one of the weapons of peace. God's spirit is alive and moving. And if we're aware of him, we're asking for God's presence to move, we will see him more visibly because we're aware of it. That's a weapon of peace. God's word, the scriptures are so important. Not that we use them to bludgeon people or hit people over the head with or to hit them on, on social media with, but the, the scriptures are, are, are like a windshield that we look through. You don't want to drive in the car with someone when they're looking at the windshield. You want to drive with someone who's looking through the windshield so they are informed, they see the whole world in reality through the reality of the scriptures. And they point us toward Jesus, to be like Jesus. So God's word is so important. Prayer and praise, um, praying uh, to God, asking God to move, um, asking him, requesting um, things from him, praising him are just so, so important right now. Taking time to release the, the burdens that are uh, weighing you down. These are all so important as weapons in the kingdom of God. The, the name of Jesus just has, its, has power in itself, the name of Jesus. God uh, sent his son Jesus to redeem and transfer the, transfer the world from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And the name of Jesus has power. These are the weapons of God's people to get us through the worst of our days. And I don't know about you, but your worst day might have happened very recently and these are the tools. Uh, I think of, um, I'm kind of a nerd, and so I, I really like, I'll, I'll kind of make a confession. I love the Lord of the Rings um, books. I read those in middle school, and I love the Lord of the Rings uh, movies. And I just, there's one scene where Frodo is captured by Sheila, this big spider. I remember reading this when I was a kid, just like, just glued to the book and terrified. And, and he's, he's, you think he's going to die. You think he's done. And then his friend, Sam Gamgee, comes to the res rescue. And he has this, uh, this like beacon of light. It's like, uh, it's a talisman given to him from the elves. And when it's darkest, this thing shines the brightest. And it doesn't do anything other than shine. It's just this power of its own. And it, it causes the spider to retreat. And Sam saves, um, Frodo. 
And I just love the image for us as Christians, like we might not be like Sam Gamgee was really ordinary person. He was the local gardener that walked all the way to Mordor and through the ring in Mount Doom. I'm totally nerding out. But the greatest example of, of using the weapons of peace, using the kingdom of peace is Jesus. He, he willingly gave himself and um, could have brought heaven's armies against the world. And he just brought peace. He gave himself his love, his truth, his life. And in his dying for us, he revealed to the world how ugly and wrong we are, but how loving he and his heavenly father are. And I think it's so important to know that we follow the prince of peace. And his war is a war with the weapons of peace. Picking up in verse 18 of 1 Samuel 30. David got back everything the Amalekites had taken, and he rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. He also recovered all the flocks and herds, and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock. This plunder belongs to David, they said. David recovered it all total victory. I think it's really important in this moment for because David is a man after God's own heart that we have to remember God's word. The Lord the Lord said to him earlier in this story before he knew for sure what the outcome would be the Lord gave him a promise. He said, "Pursue them for you will certainly overtake them and rescue the people." David trusted in God's promise. That's a great definition of faith, trusting in the promises of God. You can take that to the bank. So David and this victory, I think, are an image or a foreshadowing of Jesus. Um, In Colossians chapter 1, it says this about Jesus. It, It says, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Those of us in Jesus, we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness. Like Jesus is like our David who has come and rescued us from our enemies spiritually that we couldn't free ourselves from. And he freed us from the, the enemy, from the, dar- the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light where we have freedom and forgiveness. For First uh, Corinthians 15 says this, thank God. He gives us the victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the victor. Jesus is the one who is recovering and restoring the world around us. Jesus is like the greater David who frees us from Satan, sin, and death. And through the unexpected victory on the cross, we are rescued. His victory, Jesus' victory becomes our victory. Isn't that wonderful? Like, I mean, all the goodness of God is ours, not because of anything we've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. While we were lost, while we were captive, God told Jesus, pursue them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and he sent Jesus to pursue us in the same way David pursued his family, to restore his family. We mentioned this verse a while ago from Hebrews, but it was for the joy set before him that Christ endured the cross. It was the for the joy of re- restoring his family that David pursued. And, and for us as Christians, we have a joy that we look forward to, that, that God is going to put things right. And it not, might not feel right right now, but God is going to put things right and we can trust in him. Amen? Hope there's some amens in your in your house right now. 
Let me tell you, right now, we have people who are following, following the model and example of David, following the model of Jesus. We have doctors right now who are pursuing people at their own risk to bring them out of darkness, um, pursuing them uh, at their own expense, um, at their family, uh, family's expense. People, doctors and nurses and medical workers who might not be able to go home because they have to separate themselves just because of the risk. And they're going into really difficult situations, making difficult difficult decisions to, to pull people out of the worst situations. That's being Jesus. That's bringing victory to other people. We, we have people in our church that are, that are going to situations where they're, they're helping loved ones who are being lost because of addiction. And they are pursuing them to the best of their ability, trying to help them. You can't make someone choose rescue. You can't make someone choose freedom. But you can do your best to let them know it's it's available and you can pursue them as much as you can. And we have people in our church that are doing that. Um, we have people in our church right now that are pursuing others in isolation in their own homes. They're calling people. They're, uh, they're getting on Zoom. They're getting on, uh, the YouTube or the face chat and they are connecting with people online. They're pursuing them in, th- in their kingdom of loneliness and isolation, bringing them into connection the best we can digitally, um, in the world that we live in right now. Um, you know, COVID virus is, is causing social distancing, but we don't have to remain isolated. We have so many tools at our disposal to connect. And I would just want to encourage you and thank you um, for reaching out and being an example of Jesus, following in his footsteps. Let, let me share this with you. There is one unfortunate thing. Sometimes people have been freed, but they're not living in their freedom. They've been freed, but they're not living in their freedom. And and it reminds me of like like someone or a town that might have existed during the Civil War. And and at the end of the Civil War, the North wins, and and slavery begins to uh, decline, and um, the currency of the South begins to decline, and, and it's back to one union, one country, but there's pockets where people don't know or didn't know that there had been a victory. And so they were still living under the old law. They're still living under some of the old laws of slavery, living with the old currency, even though the victory had already been won. And some of us have have received freedom from Christ, but we're not living in that freedom. And we need to claim that and realize that Christ has freed us for freedom. Let me read this verse to you. Romans chapter 8 says this, In all these things we are more than conquerors, victors, through him who loved us. That's Jesus. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody needed to hear that today. Remind someone of God's love today. Let them know that there's nothing that can separate them from God's love. Many of us are afraid. We have anxiety. We're experiencing grief and loss and pain. And and I just want you to know that we are on a spiritual journey and many of us are just like rerouting our minds, our hearts are rerouting. We're we're trying to to get a sense of what's up and what's down and and, and I, I just want you to know that God is with you. He is for you, and He wants to lead you into a flourishing life through this storm. Now, we believe everybody is on a spiritual journey. It doesn't matter where you've been, 
what you're going through. The most important thing is where you're headed. And God, again, is with us. He's for us and he's wanting to lead us. And so I think there are three really important steps of faith uh, that you could, you could take today. And here's what they are. Explore, trust, and follow. And this is simply describing where many of us might be on our journey. Um, exploring faith. Uh, this is where we can question and we can kind of kick the tires of, of the way of Jesus. Um, and that's a, that's a, a, pl- a great step is exploration of faith. The, the second step is trusting Jesus. It's, it's learning to trust Jesus for our freedom and our healing and our forgiveness in our life. And then the third step of faith uh, might be following Jesus. Just learning to see and surrender control in your life to Jesus. I want to encourage you today to take a step of faith. It doesn't matter which step of faith, every step matters to God. And and so maybe it's a step of exploring, it's maybe a step of trusting, maybe it's a step of following. But would you pray this prayer and and pray the aspect of this prayer that that matters to you, that that resonates with you. But why don't you, you can close your eyes if you want, you can keep them open too, but just quiet your heart and, and take a moment to pray this from your heart out loud or just in the quiet of your your mind and heart. Pray with me. God, help me to find you as I explore faith. I trust you, Jesus, for freedom, healing, and forgiveness. Help me to see and surrender control of my life as I learn to follow you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your guidance and love in my life. Amen. If you took a step of faith today, uh, every step of faith matters to God. And if that was you, um, I just want to encourage you. Let us know by by following us on Facebook or or Instagram, and 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 send us a comment, send us a message, um, just sharing with us maybe a need you might have, questions you have, because we want to help, and we're on the journey with you, guys. I love you so much. <laughs>